why is it that so often it's when things go well, so much better than we expect, that's when we really begin to be afraid? I mean, I can handle disappointment. Sometimes to protect myself, I'll even anticipate it. I'll expect it. I might even invite it. But unexpected, unwarranted success? Now that, that is too, truly frightening. That's, that's what will keep me up at night wondering, what in the world did I do? And what am I supposed to do now? So I suppose you could say, and this is often the case, that I get Peter. I understand what he's thinking. Maybe more accurately, I understand, I think, what he's feeling. As he and his crew are struggling with this enormous mass of wriggling, flipping fish that should not be there. Actually, what I imagine is that in the midst of the, the shouting and the, the pulling and the cursing and the thrashing, in the middle of enough fish that the boat is actually getting swamped, that the waves are now coming over the sides, and in all of this confusion and all of this chaos, there's this moment of recognition that slams into Peter. Because he sees it. And all at once, in the excitement and the wonder and the terror, he drops to his knees. And all he can possibly do is yell at the sandaled feet of Jesus, Get away from me, Lord. For I am a sinful man. This I can understand. I get it because I've done it. Maybe I'm not alone. I can just see myself so clearly in this text. One moment, Peter is bursting with pride. Of all the boats there on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, Jesus has chosen his to teach from. But that pride quickly fades to disbelief, disgust, resignation. Because Jesus tells Peter to go back out into the lake and drop his nets. Again, this having fished all night long with nothing to show for it. Once again, this is something that I am familiar with. Not just the fishing with nothing to show for it. <laughs> but receiving counsel to try once more. Say to uh, try to seek forgiveness or reconciliation in that long splintered friendship. 
again? Or to build a long-desired but little-practiced habit? Again? What could possibly be different this time? And this is one of those passages where I would have loved to have heard Peter's tone of voice as he says, if you say so. I mean, those were the words, but I have to believe the tone was, yeah, like that's going to happen. But Peter does it. He goes out in his boat and he lets the nets down for a catch. As sometimes I do. But like him, I think sometimes I do it with my heart crossed behind my back. Skeptical, resigned, perhaps a bit embittered. Good God, I have been there. Like this past week. So is it any wonder that when Peter is faced with literally more fish than he can handle, that his response is, in effect, just get away from me. I do not deserve this. Don't you know who you're dealing with here? I didn't believe that this was going to work. I was just going through the motions because you said to. And then this? I don't deserve this. I do not deserve this. It's got me wondering this week, just what do we deserve? Because this seems to be where, where Peter short-circuits. He knows how he distrusted Jesus, but then received far more than he could have imagined. It just does not add up. So what do we deserve? I've been thinking about this all week. What do we deserve? And here's what I came up with. Nothing. And everything. Because I was reminded recently that we actually walk with a knife's edge through our lives, either side of which is a steep slope. On the one side, believing that we deserve little can easily lead to a belief that we actually deserve nothing. Debilitating feelings of shame and guilt can corrode any sense that we are worth much at all. But on the other side, when we believe that we deserve something, if we aren't careful, we can slide into a belief that we deserve 
pretty much everything. No matter how little others have or what we did or did not do to receive it. I think the echoes of this can be heard all around us. For instance, who deserves to live in this country? Should you have to have an advanced degree to be let in? Half of my family would have been denied. Or what kind of violence is legitimate enough to flee? That might have prevented the other half of my family. Or closer to home. Who deserves to live in this neighborhood? There is at least one of our neighbors who opposes our intent to build studio apartments for seniors who earn below or well below the area median income on the grounds that they don't deserve to live here because they won't have earned it the way that he and others apparently have. Or maybe you've heard of the new game show, Who Deserves to Be a Billionaire? I jest. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yet. Right? But it's this question that is gaining currency again. Should there be billionaires? Just so that we're on the same page. It takes spending $25,000 a day, every day, every year, for 100 years to spend $1 billion. Again, spending $25,000 a day, every day, every year, for a century to spend $1 billion. No matter how smart you are, no matter how hard you work, what would it take for anyone to deserve this amount of money? What about 500 million? What about 50 million? What about a million? Or to put it another way, what would you get if you really got what you deserved? What would you get if you really got what you deserved? How would you know when you got it? One of the identifying characteristics of this gospel, the gospel according to Luke, is that Jesus consistently carries holiness into places that other people do not believe it belongs. We're going to hear this over the course of this next year in story after story when Jesus reveals righteousness with people who supposedly do not deserve it. Now make no mistake, this is no prosperity gospel. This is not about a divine pyramid scheme. This is not permission to take whatever you can lay your hands on. Our thoughts, our words, and our deeds matter.
But we get tangled up when we assume that our connection to God is dependent upon our worth. That what we've done is what we deserve. Or let what we've left undone is what we deserve. Either way, these stances sever our connection with each other and with God. And that is why we're in the boat with Peter this Sunday. Peter assumes that he is not worthy of Jesus, that he does not deserve Jesus' presence. And guess what? He's given the presence of the Christ anyways. Even though we know, and I believe even though Jesus knows that Peter is going to screw it up. Mike, we know that you and I, from time to time, we are going to screw it up. But every time, every single time, deserved or not, Jesus is going to get in the boat. And he's going to tell us to get fishing. 